One of the most important research institutes in the world is the RAND Corporation. It was established in 1948 as an arm of the American Armed Forces at the end of the Second World War. It was established to collect information and provide research information to support the growth of the American way of life and and the defense of of Europe and all of and all, all of the other economic and political goals that the United States had at the end of the Second World War. And we all know that the United States was an, on an arc of power from the end of the Second World War until the end of the 20th century because of the nature of the way the chips fell at the end of the war, the American way of life dominated everything. And the Rand Corporation helped to support the things that it, the American government, government was trying to accomplish. So it's important that last week, the Rand Corporation released a, a report that talked about fighting truth decay. You have to look at that headline carefully because when you look at it quickly, you think, think of tooth decay, but it's truth decay. They studied very carefully all of the ways in which social media and the internet have corrupted the concept of what truth is. And really, what's happening today around the world, and I don't need to go into that, I don't wish to go into that, because it's beyond the area that I want to cover. But from the beginning of the use of the internet, there were those who cautioned teachers to think about the kinds of sites they were going to with their students. Because even back when I was first using the internet in the 80s, we're talking about, we're talking about 40 years ago. Even back then, there were things that were apparent that were danger signals. For instance, the Seagram Corporation kept a website that included on its site games children could play that would enhance their understanding of alcohol and that it was out there. They made it fun to find out about drinking, which set off some some bells and whistles around around the country, around the world, actually. I remember when I was teaching teachers about the use of the internet, and we were still talking about Windows 95. So if you're watching this video, you know how long ago Windows 95 was important. And telling teachers at the time that if 
somebody did a search in Google, that was also when Google was brand new, if they did a search for information, the websites that came up first were the ones that people went to most often. And if they did a search on the Holocaust, they would come up with websites that were in the business of trying to persuade people that the Holocaust did not exist, which obviously is untruthful. And there were all kinds of ex examples that were given way back 40 years ago. And so what we would do is we would teach teachers how it was important that students included learning about media literacy, understanding that whatever we read, there was bias in the reading of it. There was a question of truth and untruth. There was the question of point of view. And I could go on, but that's not important either because you can go to websites and find out further the information that I'm referring to. But we knew even then that at the end of the day, it's me, the user, and the computer that I'm sitting in front of right now. It's a laptop, but I'm sitting in front of a computer. And that if I'm reading something and I really don't have an understanding of the fact that there is knowledge and comprehension and truth and bias and point of view, then I could read something that is totally false and assume because it was on the internet that it must be true. I could read a paper all about the Holocaust and how the pictures were fake and there really were only maybe uh, 500,000 uh, people that were, were, uh, were killed and that all of these things didn't exist. Qu challenging somebody to wonder whether there is truth or bias or point of view or whatever. It's a huge issue today, but it doesn't belong out there somewhere. It belongs to each of us. It belongs to what we say to one another about what we read and what we watch. If you are sitting with a child and you are watching the news and something is said on the news that is false, you have to take the time to explain to a child why it's false. Not just to say, not just to yell and scream at the TV. That's not enough. Every one of us has an obligation to help every other one of us see that there are things being written and said that aren't true and stretch comprehension totally.
This weekend, of course, it's all about one of the American congresswomen, and she's suggesting that the forest fires that happened last year in California were started on purpose by a special laser beam that Israel used. As if, as if the state of Israel would want to use a, a, a spacecraft and direct a laser to start a forest fire and then have to defend itself if something happened. Why would anybody do that? Why would any country go about trying to start a forest fire in another country, even, even if they had the technology? It beggars understanding why somebody would want to do or say that. The same thing that now people are suggesting that 9-11 didn't happen the way it happened. It was a plot by nefarious organizations and countries carried out on the United States. We've all watched movies that imply that there is evil in the world and that evil will take every chance it gets to cause damage. And maybe there is evil in the world, but that kind of evil, one has to wonder, first of all, who's saying it? What proof do they have of it? Where else does it appear? And so on. Since the earliest of times, men have looked for reasons to explain that which they cannot explain. I used to teach about fairy tales and why the native peoples of, of America had these fairy tales. Why the skunk has a scent and why the porcupine has quills and why the sun sets and the moon rises. Where does it come from? Imagine hundreds of thousands of years ago and cavemen because there were cavemen, and they didn't know anything. They had no knowledge of the world. All they knew was what they could sense. And if they saw the sun rise and then set, and the moon come out, they had to have a way of understanding it. So they made up stories. As we've learned more about the world around us, we have learned how those stories began and how now we use other stories to explain them, stories based on science. But that doesn't mean that there aren't still people who don't want to do any research, who don't want to do any reading, who very easily say, oh yeah, it's because... 
It's because of this or that or somebody else. We, all of us, have to understand, we have to educate ourselves. We have to make sure we spend time in every grade, in every classroom, with every group of students. Time to think about the point of view of an article. Who's writing it? And do they have an agenda? Even if we're not completely right about it, we need to get people to question what they read. We need to get people to question what they see and what they hear. Because that's the only way we're going to find that sweet spot in our future where we can trust one another and understand that we have more important things to deal with than fighting off non-true or biased or faulty points of view. Technology makes it that much easier to spread stories like gossip, like the old game you played with telephone. One person tells another person tells another person and by the time it gets around the whole circle, the story's all mixed up. That's a lesson. We have to be careful about what we say and who we say it to and why we say it and who we might hurt. The Rand Corporation does a service by pointing out to us the problem with truth decay. But there are all kinds of other organizations who are trying very hard, and it's up to us to tap into them in our lessons in the classroom to make sure that when people do research, they read more than one or two articles to find their information. When they make a presentation, that we ask questions that force them to think about what they're saying and to constantly talk about truth and untruth and bias and point of view in the little things because the little things make the big things easier to deal with if we deal with them at the beginning. Think about that.